Corona time. Oh, yes. And the living is bullshit. <laughs> I I hate everything about the world so much right what? now. 20, 20, 20, 2020 <laughs> has been the worst. I want to turn it back. We wanted to get out of 2019 so bad. We was like, new decade, new rules. Let's get it in this bitch. And it just didn't work <laughs> the out the way turned. we wanted to. The table oh, turned. Oh, how the snickerdoodle. <laughs> just breaks in half and then drops on the floor and then immediately turns to cookie dust. Ah, uh, yes, of course. So. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. When was yeah. the last time we did one of these? Oh, it had to be months. It had to be 2019. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be 20 and the 19th. No, it, had, no, it was before... It was before I think, I'm pretty sure it was after the Grammys and before the Oscars. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> we I was going to say, one. there was... We did there was one like, that was ostensibly about award shows, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there, was a, there was a whole, yeah. like, five years in between the two episodes. Um, yeah, the, as, as happens, that's when I, like, plug us on... Yes. My other show, Below Freezing. Um, I always say uh, <laughs> Below Freezing is a weekly podcast and Group Chat is a uh, periodic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we feel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. The Rona. It is, it is definitely uh, taking the girls out of commission. I used to work in the service industry and I am now lucky enough to have mm. a job in which that is one getting like a massive sort of like engagement boom from people being right. stuck in their house. Um yeah. uh and I work from home as well, so it's not really going to stop my income. Uh I'm very blessed in that way. Um, but I, I used to work in the service industry before I got the job that I currently have right now. And I have a lot of friends who still do, and I like to go out and patronize all of them specifically because I know them and, um, they're all wonderful. Uh, but a lot of them are furloughed now. A lot of them literally can't go to work for two to eight weeks. And that is really sucky. Um, and, yeah. and it's kind of been breaking my heart, not only for my friends that I see uh, on, you know, my personal social media circles and stuff like that, but just for people all around the world. Like, I sent a friend of mine $10 on Cash App for, like, a sympathy pizza. He's in yeah. California. I don't even know if pizzas are $10 out there. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I've, I've, only, I've been to California three times. There's California Pizza Kitchen. I know that. I know that for a fact. And I know, and I've never been to New York, so I could send like $20 up there and I don't know what that would be able to buy. That would be 20 slices of pizza. (laughs) Oh, well, oh, oh yeah. Cause you guys have, you have like an overabundance of pizza. It's so cheap up there because everybody has, everyone is making pizza and everyone has a favorite kind of pizza (laughs) that happens to be all of the different kinds of pizza that are being made. Yes. Yes. We have we've we've popularized the dollar slice up here in uh, in the tri-state area, and that is where um that's where you can find that's what probably most uh most people will be uh just trying to grab a slice somewhere. Yeah, I think something that's really important that's getting lost in um the what would you call it 
that's that's getting lost in the hysteria is yeah that like you can go outside you can you like can. go to the grocery store just like don't be dumbass like <laughs> i because th- that's really the, you see there's uh, there's this tweet that was going around of someone's like downtown nashville undefeated and yeah prayers and it was like to nashville they yes. just went through a natural disaster and it's horrible and it's, yes. it was really cool to see people rally around the city and Very people who are from nashville and the country music community just sort of like swarm in and be it like hey, really we're nice. here to help um but also stay the fuck home yeah <laughs> yeah. like we're 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 in a pandemic that could quickly yeah. become uh a uh, uh, much much worse and my my biggest thing is i hope that they can find a way to get a lid on it before it becomes seasonal because if it yeah. becomes seasonal before we figure out a way to tackle it then that just means a whole host of people are going to start passing away again and we no right. one wants that Right, uh, and I, th- I think I mean it, it's hard because they've they've only they've said that a virus uh, vaccine would probably come maybe not even like in the middle of twenty twenty one, and they Yikes. Fully, yeah yeah, <laughs> and they fully expect they fully expect this to also come back in the fall, have it have it come back around as like a round two type thing, not necessarily like mutate into something different, but. Just like um, to to come because like everyone's just like oh summer's gonna kill it and he was like oh well, summer's gonna kill it but then summer's gonna go away. <laughs> yeah, warm warm climates warm climates will will uh, mediate. The one thing the one thing that is good is that it, by the time it's reached here, it's it's getting into the warmer months. So I think it, it it'll hopefully like leave leave a little faster than we think it's going to. Um, mm-hmm. When they when they say that it's like it's gonna be around here for a while, they were they, like I like I heard projections like, oh yeah, we won't be out of this until July August. I just don't think like I think people who have it like, won't be, won't be rid of it until July or August. Doesn't mean yeah. that like like the transmission part of it or what not, not the transmission part of it probably will, will uh, dwindle down after this next like maybe month month and a half. But, um, yeah it's it's uh it's a real real one right now um it's it's just weird how how like i don't know we've we've grown up in a lot of these times of very like shifting shifting culture like this this time period of like having been born in the mid to late 90s and then having grown up experiencing sort of the the in-between state of us transitioning into the interconnected world that we live in now Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden within the span of like maybe a year we've just been thrust into complete and total like connectivity online it yeah it everything and it's there's so much chaos like i mean i'll think about like all of the stuff that's happened in the interim between like the last time we recorded an episode of this show i mean we live we now live in a world that no longer has kobe bryant we um it you know it it, so much has happened and i think this is just 
a, this stark illustration of the fact that no one has any idea what's going on. And in, in, in an age where I think, especially people within our age bracket and probably younger, I try not to dwell just like me and you are trying to avoid uh, unnecessary information overload regarding the coronavirus. I try to avoid thinking about um, what people who are five years or younger (laughs) than me, five years younger than me and beyond uh, are going through because um, Mm -hmm. I didn't like thinking about that when we didn't have to stay in our house uh, uh, for like public health concerns. Like, I don't, I don't know what, um, what we're passing down to them or what gen x passed down to us um yeah. i mean they gave us some cool stuff they gave us like fucking um buffy the vampire slayer and janet jackson stuff but the you know uh, but more substantially than that outside of the realm of pop culture they, they kind of just gave us like a collective generational shrug and <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what we're i or are we like they gave us a shrug we were the They're, first I think we were the first generation to lay our general anxiety bare as opposed yeah, to yeah, yeah. keeping it bottled up. We and told the kids I, coming behind us that it was okay to want to die sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. And then I think I think I think in that regard kids have become so much more self-aware uh to the point where it's like you see memes about it and where it's like true like galaxy brain level humor that's happening and you're like mm-hmm. what what and um yeah it's, they're doing like tiktoks to doja cat during the in their quarantines like yeah. they're just, <laughs> it is like they're, while they're getting tested i saw one while they're i was getting... like <laughs> oh boy but i do not want to spend this entire episode talking about the coronavirus no. i do want to I do want to point out at least like a couple of the interesting things that have hap- that are happening because of it. Because, um, like you've mentioned before, I, I, didn't, I don't want I don't want to dwell too much on the despair part. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of the things that I've talked about on this podcast in regards to the future of entertainment um, <laughs> seems to be starting to come true in some in points. Like we just found out today that Universal is going to release all of their current slate that's out in theaters as well as their future slate including a handful of a handful of stuff that's about to come out all onto video on demand platforms within the next couple of weeks and that was yeah. really surprising yeah i think i think so too I, I think that's something that people have been sort of bandying about that is just uh, a a a concept an idea that the air has been thick with for the past like 4 or 5 years mm-hmm. um that uh, seemed inevitable i guess yeah uh in the age in which we live um i think that it's interesting that universal was the first one to do it they're obviously saving their big ticket items like they're still gonna push back uh fast and the furious like there's no way fast and the furious is gonna end up on your tv um Mm -hmm. neither will jurassic world um but like stuff like trolls which and i think this is something that maybe um 
the folks behind the A Quiet Place franchise uh, might think about too, just because Trolls had completely exhausted its marketing budget um, prior to this decision than yeah. the new Trolls movie. And so did A Quiet Place. Uh, so to sort of re-up a quiet place again is going to cost at least another hundred million dollars for the studio and with trolls 2 i mean they had music videos out they had uh toy lines in in like fast food tie-ins and stuff at this point and i don't see uh on top of an already expensive movie um to begin with just because of the cast they got the pedigree of the music behind it and stuff like that so uh this makes a lot of sense even though it is going to result in a write-off which i mean a lot of people are going to be writing a lot of stuff off um but i will say this something that's really interesting is outside of the realm of movies, which you're seeing um, delays and cancellations out the wazoo, like across the board from everybody, including Disney, who I think has the uh, capital and the sort of um, ubiquitous like cultural might to weather this more so than the rest of um, the studios do. But uh, that's very scary. But something I have noticed is that every other way that you could find to entertain yourself with the exception of maybe maybe video games is completely uh is going to completely thrive in this because you got streaming you got uh in terms of music and in terms of television mm-hmm. um half of the shows say- that are going to be coming out for the next four months are almost already in the bag yeah i will say with regards to music it's 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 a challenging thing because a lot of a lot of entertainers uh income comes from the live uh, aspect mm, of touring it. yeah and the whole live entertainment industry is essentially tanked for the time being that um, is fair when it comes like, when it comes to literally anything it like any any sort of live event like we i was talking with my uncle who has a friend in the actual like housing and um not housing the live event space he has a, he owns an event space so he, do, he does uh setups for different shows mm-hmm. and stuff all those shows are canceled now and he's he's pretty much done mm-hmm. until the fall and that's nuts um yeah that is really spooky and, and i don't say we even get like a vaccine off the on the on the complete wishful thinking train say some a miracle happens and we get this cleared up in some fashion by like let's say june right um then the mad dash the rush to try and um get that back going again get that going again like someone i said uh someone i saw said that um even when it clears up if it clears up there's going to be a hesitancy for people to engage in activity like that again. Yeah. Even, even when, you know, the health organizations and the government say that it's okay. Right. So I don't, that, that is, that is kind of spooky to think about. It is, but converse, conversely, uh, what has been, what has been really 
thrilling to see is the resourcefulness and resilience of the artists and such. Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing stuff like, um, the live looping artist I've talked about, Mark Rabier. Um, he's doing a week long stream, uh, tour where for every stop on a tour that he was supposed to make in Australia over the net, over like it was sometime either late March, early April, he's going to do a show. Uh, starting tomorrow morning at eight o'clock on the at the time that it was supposed to go on in Australia, um, mm-hmm. and perform and perform like a two hour show, f- like a like for people who want to tune in and watch. He's got merchandise that he's going to be um, pro- going to donate pro- proceeds towards uh, a a uh, charity related to cor- coronavirus outreach and awareness. Um, you have. Uh, there was like this industrial metal band called Code Orange that live streamed. They were gonna have an album show, uh, mm-hmm. an album release show with this whole with this whole story involved with it because it was like not only just like pyrotechnics and lights and whatnot, but there was like video uh, background stuff that was going on and that would like be interludes in between um, the different songs in their set and their performance. And they decided to stream the whole thing live on Twitch. And that actually went really well. There was about 12,000 concurrence, um, happening at one time, uh, at, at least when I was streaming it, um, with, um, my friend, it was really like, it, it was, it was really popping, which was good. And I just, I'm really excited to see more of that sort of resourcefulness and innovation come from artists and artistry, um, because I know that it's going to impact, it's going to impact the industry in ways that I'm hoping will allow for more autonomy on part of the artist and Mm -hmm. in terms of them being able to find ways to get that rev get get some sort of stream of revenue going while their their whole live show is essentially tanked um i who else is doing a a streaming thing the dropkick Um, murphys really i did not know that yeah they're doing a saint patrick's day stream that's very cool um Donald Glover did his whole like he streamed his he streamed his newest album on a website in on loop for 24 mm-hmm. hours and then took it down um which was interesting um yeah i think people are just going to become more creative and i think if if i mean like with creativity breeds innovation and with and any innovation in the music industry outside of what streaming has done in terms of the proliferation of music content. Um, mm-hmm. If there's any other kind of innovation outside of that, I, I, I welcome that with open arms and I'm excited. Yeah. Well, uh, that's the latest update on um, COVID-19 um, or, or as we know it by its scientific name, the Rona. Um <laughs> And we can sort of transition into uh, what we were coming here to talk about, which is, uh, (laughs) I I don't know, just an idea that I had. Um, When you take a look at all of the culture that we have (laughs) right now, um, Mm -hmm. 
I think it can all be traced back to the year 2008. Not like not all of it like to its source, but like that year had like such an intense concentration of so many things that basically run the media that we consume. Um, yeah. and, 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 and set the stage for the world of popular culture that we exist in, mm-hmm. um, at the moment. And right. I wanted to get your thoughts on like what you remember culturally about the year 2008, but I also have like a, a, a number of things that were sort of like these watershed events um right and and folks and things that happened that year yes 2008 was uh was an interesting one it was it was an interesting it was an interesting time for me because i also was making a giant leap personally um that kind of led me down the road to where i'm at with my whole sort of life and career as it is um it was the year that I decided to apply to and get into the the public magnet high school that I went to for four years, where I eventually learned uh, a lot more about making videos, uh, becoming a musician, all that kind of stuff. Oh um, yeah, you were in fame, weren't you? I was not in fame. I wish <laughs> there was like there was like a small corner of the school that was the fame school, kind of. <laughs> And I was like, I was like on the cusp of that living in, but I essentially applied No one to was like her. angrily dancing. <laughs> no, no, nobody was doing the whole footloose. No, like, no one, yeah, was like dancing in the woodshed. The stairs yeah. with like their knees like to their chest. And they're just like, ah. <laughs> no, no. But um, it, it was an interesting, it was an interesting, it was an interesting era to be in. Cause like, honestly, when I think about like what I how how I experienced t- t- 2008, it was it's like I don't know, um, it was just another year, you know, because mm-hmm. it wasn't anything. There wasn't anything culturally that was like earth shatteringly different, other than maybe like I started noticing that people started liking the things that I liked a lot more. That if that makes sense. That's something we should talk about. Um, that's where that's where, and I was it, it really, I mean honestly, the focal point around that for me was the Dark Knight, um, as it mm-hmm. probably was for a lot of people, um, but I think it was the first time that people started to take nerd culture a little bit more seriously because mm-hmm. everybody started observing. It was it was that it was the the hype around the movie. Uh, unfortunately spurred on by the death of Heath Ledger. And I think Mm -hmm. it was the first time that uh, I, as like a a young teen, interacted with uh, celebrity death in that way as well. And it was primer. It was like a primer for what would happen in the years to come. Uh, Mm -hmm. And um, it was, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's really, that was really the focal point where I started to and it was and it wasn't just like because I joined that school I started finding like-minded people but just like mm-hmm. like-minded people just started to appear more and I, and started to say things in the world that sort yeah. of related to the things that I liked. Let, let's let's talk about the dark knight for a minute because I remember yeah. the dark knight specifically as this um like impending event 
in a way that a movie hadn't been in a really long time. Um, yeah. I, I would say that, like, because we, we grew up uh, in the middle of and some, uh, like, after the advent of, like, the event movie, which I think was really spurred on by another Batman film, Batman 89. And yeah. um, in a lot of the sort of extreme, like, commercialization of everything in the 80s so this was the first time where like the tie-ins weren't limited to like ecto cooler or like the silly string spider-man glove or something like that right it was i remember like there was like a a hunt like an internet in 2007 like right it was crazy it was like an internet hunt for the first image of heath ledger as the joker yes that was the first instance i think i think you could you could trace back all present day hashtag content to that mm-hmm. because it was very gorilla it was very uh viral in the sense in the sense that it traveled it traveled uh very fast by word of mouth in the sense that oh if we did these things we could unlock a clue, a clue that would mm-hmm. lead us to a, 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 an, an extra, extraneous part of the story that we could learn about, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, and then when it dropped, it was like, it was a big zeitgeisty version of I think what happened when um, Watchmen and The Dark Knight Rises happened or The Dark Knight Returns happened in the 80s where Mm -hmm. it gave people a thing to go look the thing that I like that you think is silly or that I think you think is silly is actually the most serious thing and you and we did de- the arrested development thing we demand to be taken seriously right <laughs> yes um, yes the magicians that, that, league yeah and I, there is a there is a um a culture of in it like of um this weirdly like defiant of almost nothing at this point but like yeah. this defiant um nose thummy um way of being a fan of things uh where your fandom of the thing is always in complete opposition to uh something else which is which i find interesting because now we live in this world where like superhero movies dominate the box office everybody likes at least one of them that kind of thing and Mm like now it's a bunch of like infighting but everyone i think such a i think the idea of um i am a nerd i like this thing and i like this thing even though you say i shouldn't like it i think there is a need within some of those communities for their enjoyment of the thing to be an act of rebellion yes yes Um, that i think in 2008 made a lot more sense than it does now I agree. Uh, but i think that it's i think that the dark knight um it really set the stage for um the way that people talk to each other about movies now yeah and um and i rem- i like uh, and i've been following like movie news and stuff online since i was like seven years old 
I've been yeah. on reading message boards and stuff like that. Ain't it cool news? I'm one of yeah. like the only people my age who read Ain't It Cool News <laughs> and and stuff like that. I remember um, when fucking Jamie Foxx was one of the people who was rumored to play Harvey Dent. I remember when Heath Ledger got cast as the Joker. And this was like right after he had gotten all that acclaim for being in Brokeback Mountain. And there was yeah. a lot of homophobia because Batman as a fandom is homophobic boots um yes like it is wild but like i i think that um the dark knight was really this watershed moment of um wow superheroes um of like i think nerddom planting a flag and saying pay attention to us because our thing is important right and what's funny is um this also came around the same time that I sort of had my personal like realization that I still liked Batman because for the longest time that I just, I think I told this story a little bit, a little bit before on in something during something else, but I had drifted away from Batman and Superman and superheroes in general. Um, as I mm-hmm. got older, um, I started to gravitate more towards Star Wars because I thought that was the adult thing in the sense that like, oh, I'm growing up. These stories are about these these kids that are growing up and learning how learning how to take their first steps into the world. I think I'm supposed to resonate with this now and I'm supposed to experience this. And so I gravitated towards those things as well as the science fiction elements of it and stuff like Star Wars and Dragon Ball Z and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't think that I could take I don't I didn't think that I thought superhero things became childish to me. And um mm-hmm. It was okay. Can we can we acknowledge that like they are childish and that that's okay? Yeah, I I think I think one of the lasting effects of the Dark Knight, which goes back to like the Dark Knight Rises and Watchmen in the eighties and the nineties and all that stuff, I think is this idea that like it uh, there's this two pronged thing of look at our thing, it is important, but also like these are characters who were created for children and it is uh one of the sort of like linchpin like um battlefronts in the war to take these things away from children right and which i think brings me to the flip side of that which is 2008 interestingly enough is also the year that um marvel uh self-financed Iron Man. Right. Um, which uh, split comic book fandom into two warring factions that are still ye- yelling at each other to this very day. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, I, you know, one went off to be this very, very successful, very broad, crowd pleasy thing um, mm-hmm. that, you know, w- w- was popular enough to like get 13 billion dollars last time i checked i'm sure it's more now yeah. and and then the dark knight which is i think the a representation a good representation of the way that i think certain factions of people think that all takes on this kind of material should be mm-hmm. um uh, you know um they doubled down warner brothers who outrightly owns dc comics doubled down 
on that going forward uh, because they don't really know what to do with character or didn't really know what to do with characters from the DC universe who are not Batman for a very long time. Right. Uh, and, and try and plaster the entirety of the DC comics universe with that tone, with that aesthetic and uh, which, which just didn't end up working. And it's so interesting that that clash between like two major pillars of the same industry the same ilk um that clash started in this one year yeah it is it is really interesting because um after after reflecting on it and like after again i i watched batman begins in like 2007 right before the dark knight came out because every because like i remember watching it and then i remember i remember a friend of mine saying you know there's another one coming out and it was it's the one with the joker right because you remember though they said at how the end the, the end is the next film's going to be the Joker. It's coming out next year and I was like, "Really? That's going to be cool." Mm-hmm. We haven't had that since like we haven't had that since like the 1989 one. That'll be really interesting to see how how that kind of conflict transposes into the present day. Mm-hmm. Um so uh I started diving into comics. That was that was the way that I found my way into comic book reading and reading comic books and i just real i just remember realizing that everything was take like what was great about reading comic books in that time period because i i started with like infinite crisis and then i went to batman and then like one of the big seminal arcs that came out uh in that time period was batman rest in peace which was mm-hmm. the which was like the fake death and then the eventual death and rebirth of Batman that Grant Morrison spearheaded. Mm-hmm. What was so great about that that run is that it encompassed all those comics in particular to me encompassed everything. So like it took oh, all yeah. of these different aspects of the characters. Infinite Crisis primarily with like Superman and super beings in general, mm-hmm. and then Batman rest Batman rest in peace with the concept of Batman. It took the totality of their history through the dead serious versions to the very campy, lighthearted versions, all those different things, kind of meshed them all together, but still took them all seriously anyway. And like, but still mm-hmm. embraced them for what they were. And I think that's the one thing that we're missing today in culture is that a lot of people miss the idea that. People like Christopher Nolan and John Favreau were taking these incredibly like different specific intentional paths with these films and were trying to do their thing uh, seriously. Mm-hmm. And that we didn't have and, and and the mistake of the studios is that we didn't have to adhere to that the whole all the time. Yeah. I, it would and and the reason and the reason why that happened is because it was like, box office returns equals let's try this again mm-hmm. because that's what we've always done well speaking of the box office i believe that um there was and this would be obviously shattered by the next year um and avatar yeah. but yeah. <laughs> um I, I i also find it interesting that i think that with the exception of titanic this was the first the dark knight was the first film the major studio release in our lifetime 
to make a billion dollars, which means nothing now. Yeah. Which, which it was which the f- <laughs> every every other movie is making a billion dollars now. And that was and also ba- too. But back then, this was like a a big fucking deal. Also, that I remember. I remember taking that box office run so seriously because I was like, "Oh my goodness! Imagine if the number one highest grossing movie in the country ever was a Batman movie." Mm-hmm. that would be cool and this like, was also before like this was also before like the cultural reappraisal of titanic which could not have come uh sooner like because <laughs> i think at that point everyone was just like is it gonna be titanic is gonna and then and then with avatar it became like is it gonna be titanic it has to be titanic oh we hate titanic oh. and like I I think that was that was also something about it, just Batman being this like uber masculine thing, and that took that took this uh, world of comic books very very seriously. Not to say that Iron Man did not take its world very seriously. Iron Man has a lot of fidelity; it grounds itself in a very real world that is then sort of just like thematically obliterated by the rest of the films in that franchise but the yes um but that very first iron man uh takes itself i think just as seriously as yeah. the dark the dark knight does it's just that like um the story exactly. but like that fidelity is fueled by story um right. rather than by tone which is i think a fault of both uh, the later films uh, related to DC Comics, as well as the later films related to Marvel. So, yeah, yeah that's a uh, that's something super interesting in terms of like the way that movies are set up right now. Two thousand eight was like, hey, superhero movies, we're here to stay, bitch. Yeah, 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 yep, yep. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Um, another thing that stuck out to me uh, from two thousand eight surprise surprise is the advent of beyonce comma arena pop superstar yes i was gonna say she lends a lot to um something that was only just becoming popular at the time she kind of legitimized it uh, but the mm-hmm. notion of mimetic culture through the single ladies dance mm-hmm and the idea of that a that a that a mimetic or visual idea could be repeated by anybody mm-hmm. um through that's a that's a very complicated it will it's based on uh sort of like ball culture in yeah uh, new york and it's called j setting and it's very much a part of that culture and stuff like that and i think that was sort of the biggest exposure that like the world had had to that kind of dancing and stuff since maybe right. like paris is burning and right um oh, that on top of the fact that um up until that point beyonce had been an r&b pop crossover singer Mm-hmm. Um, and that album that came out, I am Sasha Fierce in 2008 was very much an intentional effort to make herself a pop star. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, and it very much worked. There is a level of stagecraft 
their uh in terms of her performances mm-hmm. uh, in terms of her persona the i the the marketing the idea of the two personalities the beyonce and the sasha fierce that fucking yeah. metal glove thing yeah. um the the theming of the videos with the black and white and stuff like that and again that complicated ass dance which i think i don't think there had been a, a dance craze like that since maybe maybe rhythm nation yeah and um yeah. and yeah. I, and i think and it that album i am sasha fierce is widely regarded as one of if not beyonce's worst album and but <laughs> it is funny because it's the most popular one you can see people on twitter whenever she sings halo they're just like girl halo again <laughs> but like but halo is beyonce's most financially successful song it is. like people like that song it and is it's a, like it's a is, very good song <laughs> yeah and it's a very good song it's just like people people enjoy that song so i i think um uh that was when she started performing in the leotards now all of the girls are performing in leotards um well you could even you could even uh correlate the the uh identity of sasha fierce and the idea of this alternate persona to all of the the sort of characters that came out after that in like mm-hmm. literally the year following in the sense that like you had lady gaga burst onto the scene almost close to around that time mm-hmm. uh you had katie perry come out onto the N- scene as well Nicki minaj Nicki minaj um yeah which is which is funny because Nicki minaj was very much she was like she had like the barbie thing going on or whatever when she was like underground ish and was doing the mixtapes and stuff like that but the minute like she started like really popping and being on people's um uh being featured on people's songs and stuff like that you the pink wigs the like outlandish clothes yeah i remember like my freshman year of college she wore she looked kind of like uh one of the ladies with the mask from mortal Kombat, but like yeah um, i I know what you're talking about yeah if you would like rolled her in like cotton candy and then like (laughs) Um, like broke a bunch of kinder eggs and put it all over and stuff like that (laughs) is really weird and and i I think that um to stand out that was a, a time in which i think we were moving away from uh as like trap music is the sort of pop music of the moment and that sound is sort of like the pop soundscape of the moment even though i think that that's starting to change i mm-hmm. think the pop sound soundscape of basically the time from when we were here <laughs> and um and and when we were about to leave high school had uh, was in in the middle of like a really a dramatic shift that was preceded by like a really crazy like battle between bubblegum pop and r&b because in the 90s r&b was pop music that was what was that was what was going on and then you had sort of a bubblegum surge with like britney spears and christina aguilera and Mm -hmm. nsync and all that Mm -hmm. stuff but then as those people started getting older and as like bands started breaking up and stuff like that all of their music just became r&b music all of you know so r&b sort of won that battle 
until I think um, there was a shift where like all of these people went extremely pop. Uh, Britney Spears went back to like really straightforward pop. Beyonce went pop. Uh, Justin Timberlake was doing pop music. Um, I think the, the biggest, craziest culprit of this if I had to pick one, would be the fucking Black Eyed Peas. Because oh, no if you doubt. were someone yep. who listened to the Black yep. Eyed Peas like pre-Let's Get Retarded, mm-hmm. uh, Boom Boom Pow era Black Eyed Peas is nuts. Uh, was a <laughs> w- was was a weird world to live in. Yeah, <laughs> we'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I just watched um I I watched a couple uh, what was it a couple months ago maybe a couple months ago I watched uh, a retrospective that was done by a YouTube account called Mike the Snare, um and they did a whole deep dive into the Black Eyed Peas' disc- discography and mm-hmm. had in their whole history, and it was I, I like I pre as I knew the song pre. Let's get it started. <laughs> that's really that's really all how I did not know that that was the name of the song until maybe like college. <laughs> I was about to say not until now. <laughs> oh no 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 no. Um, uh, pre that and um, I did not know that that was like the kind of thing that they did. Um. Even like I I wasn't even privy to Where Is the Love, which was like what their other big radio hit, um, mm-hmm. which was uh, yeah. So it was like it was like a total one eighty to realize that the same people who were doing, I got a feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night ad nauseum, were the same <laughs> people that who were responsible for <laughs> that early concepts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that entire out al- like that entire album was so huge, was so huge. Yeah, like like I I it's sort of staggering to think about and like it's just weird to how that kind of earned them a Super Bowl performance. Like what you know? the fuck? Like <laughs> I, uh, that was one of the weirdest things in the world. Okay, yeah. so. Just a tiny bit of Black Eyed Peas history. Um, they were really a sort of like funkish, pop leaning, but not really pop, uh, sort of uh, neo soul outfit. They were prior. like the Fugees, right? They were not like the Fugees. They were oh, okay. like, um, I'm trying to find, uh, they were like the phony people of their day. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, that makes they sense. were they they were in that realm. And okay. then Fergie came along and became yes. a part of the group yeah. and started hollering and doing cartwheels <laughs> and <laughs> that's what she does. She she's Fergie, she does, she she does, does flips do and she caterwauls and that's that that is her purpose there. And <laughs> and like And they just became a completely different kind of outfit, which I think for like, um, what was it? Elephant Funk, which uh, was that first album after she got there. That's the one let's get it started. Yeah. And uh, with (laughs) with Where's the Love? Yeah. Where's the Love? Yeah. So, yeah, they became like a a, a really and they just started leaning more and more pop until um, 
will i am just like something broke in his brain and they just decided to become like uh fucking brazil and it <laughs> yeah it is a it's a it, that was that was an odd time um mm-hmm. it, there in american music it was, um, yeah because like that started the whole juggle between re- you had you had really aggressively poppy pop mm-hmm. you had you sort of had the bubbling undercurrent of rap and hip-hop coming because like you mm-hmm. had on the on the come-ups you had you had the drakes and the kanye's and all that kind of stuff i think um, that didn't really i think well kanye definitely but i I think that didn't really happen for drake until maybe the end of 2009 beginning of 2010 yeah i think the, but he was he was like what i was saying is just like it's it, the undercurrent of it the, the the fact that it was like like kanye was priming the way for all these kind of artists to show up you know mm-hmm. um and then you also had you somehow still had like piano pop rock still going strong with your nickelbacks and your the phrase and your um one republics and mm-hmm. all those all those sorts of rock outfits that were kind of like aspiring to the levels of of like u2 arena rock but with piano yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think what was that what was that one song that because this this also marked I think the tail end of like rock on the radio it what it did yeah I think the last big the last big rock record I think from that like kind of era was was Viva La Vida and like Violet Hill and all those records those that was like the big like end like it started to be it's mm-hmm. you started to notice the the heavy like, heavy influence mm-hmm. of pop on rock music yeah and just before that you had like i mean they, they were so pretty poppy but like you had like all american rejects you were hearing like the red yep. jumpsuit apparatus on the radio yep. and stuff like that <gasps> okay go paralyzer yep yep okay yep so paralyzer <laughs> is the worst song that came out during my <laughs> lifetime but i love it so much yep it's like it is just it was it's that was the that was really the the sort of death knell i think paralyzer and that sort of like train nickelback like uh uh hinder blue october like style like hunger dunga dang kind of rock (laughs) yep that's what stephen thompson on pop culture happy hour calls it um but the yeah i mean it it's really um that, that's really sad because i feel like you really have to like search for rock now yeah. um i think the the last vestige of it really is sort of imagine dragons who then just like went like took a really like sharp turn into pop um yeah. right after their debut album yeah. so yeah that's 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 just so odd to think about um uh you had um Right. You weren't hearing very much easy, easy listening stuff on the radio anymore. I mean, no, there you would hear stuff here and there. Sometimes like Sarah Bareilles would come out with something or Owl City. Yeah. Or, what happened like, to them? 
them. What happened? Or at least not, we know what happened to them. Like they're still <laughs> doing. They're still doing very well for themselves with their mm-hmm. their very specific audiences. Like I know that I know that Sarah Bareilles oh, yes. like came from the world of acapella and like is still very much is she's she's like one of the patron saints of 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 acapella kids everywhere uh oh yeah she parlayed all of that into like a whole fucking like broadway career yep 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 and then like and then also john legend as well um with his with his music and now his coaching on the voice um yeah. And Alicia Keys, she went pop as well. Alicia, she, oh, she, yeah. Yep. Yeah, she she decided that she uh, didn't want to dress like a stud no more and started screaming. And she's been screaming ever since. <laughs> hey. Oh, my goodness. That song, No One, man. That song, <laughs> No One. Everybody loved that song. And she is just hollering. <laughs> she is just- She is, I was, every time that song came on, I was like, is she mad at him? Is she like, <laughs> no one, no one. That's what it, that's what it sounded like, man. Yep. But yeah, mu- music in, uh, music in 2008, man. It was, um, it was a time that was like, um, there's so many people who like were like supposed to be the next big thing, but then just like fell off. Like, yeah. um, Leona Lewis. Yep. And so it's funny enough, she was only popular with a song that was written by Ryan Tenner. <laughs> Co- written uh, or co-written by Ryan Tedder. Ryan Tedder uh, well, wrote all the 2008 ballads. <laughs> he, he sure did. Actually, that's funny because that song was supposed to be for Jesse McCartney. Yep. And there's an entire Jesse McCartney demo of that song, which I may or may not prefer to Leona Lewis's version. <laughs> Uh, we won't confirm nor deny, but the, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, that, that's just, uh, sometimes I look back and I'm just like, oh man, yeah, that person was a thing. Some people stuck around like longer than I wanted to. Uh, uh, we, we still, uh, hear from not frequently, but more frequently than I, than we should probably, uh, a character by the name of Flo Rida <laughs> and we, we do, See, we do, I he didn't... pops I didn't realize. Up. I didn't realize that Lil his Rida voice is at the end that. of a lot of white folks' movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of these troll movies. <laughs> a lot of these DreamWorks animation movies. Some somehow suddenly need a Flow Rida song. I don't, don't know why. I didn't realize that his career was going on for that long. I didn't realize. Um, what was the one song? That I was shocked to find out that that was a Flo Rida song. It was like was it once in a lifetime? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because um, I I don't know if I've ever heard a Flo Rida song that didn't sound very distinctly like. A Flo Rida song. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was one with Little John. Little John, I think. It was like hmm. one of his very early ones that became that was like apparently the one that like blew him up. Was it like right round? Because I remember that one. That was the first time I had ever no. heard Kesha on a track. That was yeah. That was the late two thousands. I'm talking. I'm thinking early two thousands, like with with Lil John on it. Oh oh, I I had never heard of Florida until Low came out. Yes. Oh no no no. Yes, it was Low. It was definitely oh, Low. So yeah, that was not Lil John. That was T Pain. <laughs> I thought 
I thought he was on. A, I thought it was a song with Lil John on it that I had first heard about, but maybe I was wrong. Yeah, it was but, probably T. It was probably T Pain and Flo Rida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two things I want to talk about is um, uh, Mariah Carey's last, not last number one album, but the last time that she had a number one single from an album. That was Emancipation um, of Mimi, right? No, it was e-, e equals MC squared. It was oh. the song Touch My Body. That was her 18th number one hit single. Is that a cover? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Nope. Mariah, Mariah very seldom releases covers as singles. But like the, okay. uh, I know she did one of, what was it? Foreigner. I want to know what love is. That was a single uh, a while back. But yeah, that was... <laughs> But yeah, I like Mariah was uh really like still going strong. And I think the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to music is this really awful project that came out called Thriller 25. Now, this was the 25th anniversary of the Thriller album. So they released um, They remastered it, right? Or they released a remastered version that also had like these What will you call them? remixes reinterpretations reinterpretations like sort of rearrangements of the songs from thriller but with with like artists pop artists of the moment uh i just remember there was this version of beat it with fergie again she flipped (laughs) right back into our hearts and uh it is awful it's awful (laughs) it is so bad. Then there was like a wannabe starting something with Akon. Remember Akon? He was around. Yep. And I remember Akon. Oh, he did a collab. He did a he did a he did another collab with he did a posthumous collab with Michael Jackson. Uh, yeah, it was the wannabe starting something. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. It was um that song Hold My Hand. Hold my hand. Baby, I promise that I'll do all I can. Did oh, I've never heard that. I don't think. Oh, um, what? <laughs> that was oh, like man. the. That was like the first time. That was the first time where people were like, "Oh, they're releasing stuff from the vault," um, after Michael Jackson passed away, and that was like the first song that came out as the lead single for the whole thing, and it featured Oof. Akon. Oof, I say. Oof. <laughs> um, yeah, but there was like there was a Billy Jean with Kanye West and yep. a Girl Is Mine with uh with Will I Am. And I was just like, eh, come mm-hmm. on, guys. Please. Let's let's not do this. But yeah, that was a uh, that was something, man. Yeah. 2008. What a what a time to be alive. <laughs> I really I really don't remember television then. Like what was like the big TV thing? back then uh it, that was the last uh okay so i was a child forgive me but that was uh well i was 15 years old i still shouldn't have been watching this stuff that was the last season of the power rangers that i watched is power rangers jungle fury oh i um, remember that i remember that mm-hmm. yes um, i was still watching the disney channel back then um, same uh well yeah i basically watched the disney channel up until like around hannah montana time but the uh what else um 
there was Terminator, the Sarah Connor, Connor Chronicles. There That's was a lot right. of like short-lived stuff here. Um, it yeah. was the, uh, that was the year that Breaking Bad came out. Now I'm not a Breaking Bad watcher, but it, it had did. a very yes. successful run. Yes, and I believe also that was when this was when The Office started to hit its stride as well as a series. Mm-hmm. Um, we were a year away from when Community would come out. Um, with now, uh, now uh, internationally renowned Donald Glover. <laughs> yes, and also uh, it was in 2008 was the premiere of the better anti-comedy version of Community, which is an animated show from Adult Swim called China, Illinois. Um, what? <laughs> and it is, it, it is like, I, I made a habit of watching shows that were, meant for people who were high but like completely sober (laughs) (laughs) um and i was but yeah there were like that was a a crazy cartoon year because that's like when flapjack premiered um yeah chowder was out at that time too right yeah like the sequel series to ben 10 chowder Um, was definitely my favorite cartoon on cartoon network at one point yeah bakugan the you know secret life of the american teenager mm-hmm. and um the cw's reboot of beverly hills 90210 which oh, lasted yeah. way longer than it should have um my, my <laughs> lasting memory from that is that it introduced me to motion city soundtrack uh, oh interesting th- yeah um that that is the only thing. That's the only positive memory I have. <laughs> also, the, the the no, the rapper Mac Wilds was like a lead on that show. Oh, that's very strange. Yeah, he was an actor before he started doing music. But like, yeah, yeah that was the first time I'd ever seen anything from him. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, also the start of the Clone Wars, the Star Wars Clone Wars TV show. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The, wasn't the, like, that wasn't the compu- 2012? The computer animated one, I think. Huh. Um, well, wow. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Because prior to that, there was that would have Yeah, that would have been, t- been it because uh, because 2003 was the, was the 2D. The one. shorts, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that was um, definitely something that was oh the um a a true pioneer of our time mm-hmm. uh this was the advent of i think um uh, of true jackson vp which is yep. the first time i remember seeing kiki palmer do comedy which is kiki palmer's whole thing now yeah <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh and, and she's she's very good at it and also batman brave in the bold Batman Brave oh, in the yeah. Bold. Listen to me. Anybody who might be listening to this show, watch Batman Brave in the Bold. It's so good. There isn't it a is. bad episode of it. It really and it is. Has, and it has the best 30 seconds. The best final 30 seconds of any TV show I've ever seen. <laughs> it is wow. it, it just, it's so good. It's so good. Wow. So, Yeah. 2008, man. What an interesting time to have that and The Dark Knight going at the same time. 
Like now I'm just realizing that because it was like, I remember when that came out and I think it was, I think I was one of the people that was like, no, I want the serious Batman. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that, um, something that was, you had teen uh, Titans too. I'm pretty yeah, sure this was this was pretty. Uh, that was a little bit before. That was around 2006. But the oh. um, what was the other thing? The the Batman cartoon that ended right before Brave and the Bold came out. It was actually called The Batman, and it was the, the show that was created to coincide with, with Batman the Dark Begins. Knight. Yeah, or Batman. Yeah, Batman Begins. Yeah, that one was a good one, and it had a soundtrack entirely composed by The Edge from the U2. Yeah, that's the one where like the Joker had dreadlocks and stuff. Yes. Yeah. That was weird. But and did I, monkey you know style kung fu. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was inter- it was an interesting time and I think they were just trying to differentiate themselves from begins very heavily. Mhm. Also toys. Um, but yeah. But also toys. Um Yeah. Oh yeah, and um, Futurama came back that year too. So yeah, TV was that's right, that's right, crazy all over the place. I think that's all. Oh no, actually, it's not. Ha <laughs> ha. The last thing. Psych. The last thing I want to talk about. Um, the last big cultural event of mm. 2008 that I would like to talk about is uh, the swearing in of Barack Obama as President of the United States. Oh, yeah. Yep. There's a lot to be said about Barack Obama and his presidency in hindsight. Yes. But to focus specifically on that year, like, it's very difficult to explain to white people what the experience was. Right. Or or to, like, explain explain to, or not even just white people, just people who aren't black. (laughs) Um... to explain how affirming how like genuinely affirming it was to have a black man as president of the united states how terrifying it was when he elected not to ride in the motorcade down uh pennsylvania avenue uh and Mm. he and michelle got out and they walked that was really nerve-wracking um and uh, just to see so many young people and young black people just sort of like tuned into politics a lot of them young and black folks sort of mm-hmm. petered off and just you know got really complacent um and then we got like a sort of a shell shock um in 2016 mm-hmm. uh and every, and now as a result we have a lot of people who are trying to like do as much as they can just so they can be complacent again <laughs> But, um, and I think that's just like everybody across the board, no matter what age, no matter what race they are, um, mm. which is annoying. But of, of that in particular, just like that, that inauguration ball where like Beyonce saying at last, mm-hmm. um, and just, it was so much. like just emotionally and i think there was a sort of cultural it was sort of the um the last nail i think people thought culturally in the coffin of racism it was one more bomb to put over 
um, the sort of racial tension that we see today, which I right. am go on record all the time <laughs> saying that I believe was an inevitability and was only uh, sort of stopped by 9-11. <laughs> but, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, that that was a like 2008-2009 the mm-hmm. um financial crash notwithstanding um yes yes yeah the financial crash notwithstanding um uh, was such a like a jazzy <laughs> time to be like black and american it was really like kind of the shit and <laughs> no no i'm being completely serious with you yeah. and, and how yeah. it felt and how like you know i you go back and i have my issues just like everybody does and everybody should have with um the entirety of barack obama's presidency i think that in that in that honeymoon phase where everyone was just like we got a black president and people had t-shirts and stuff like that yeah. it was the yeah. first election that my great-grandmother who was yeah 100 like 100 straight at the time well she was 107 when she got to vote or it is not 107 excuse me she was one she was 99 when she got to vote for barack obama and he wrote her a letter and it's still hanging up in my auntie's house wow um but yeah that is uh that that was that was a time that was uh and just sort of like come in a vacuum like removed from what came out after it it was it, it, it was it was just this crazy electric time in america and yeah. um it was uh a stepping stone i think to the inevitable resurgence of racial tension in America and not just because of the kind of president Barack Obama was, I think by nature of any black person becoming president at that time would have yielded these results, would have brought the type of people that were brought out out and would have resulted in something like, um, like this uh, primordial sludge that y'all's aunties and grandparents voted into office. Hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah. That was two thousand eight, man. What a time! What a time to be alive and broke. True, and going to the movies all the time and listening to music. But um, <laughs> but yeah, be still in school. What a time mm-hmm. that would be, and to be still in high school. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, Dan, do you have a flat line um, or several? I don't have a, I don't have a flat line. I kind of have, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, I think in this time of, uh, 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 what's the word that I'm looking for? Ongoing flat line <laughs> <laughs> with the, with the world. Um, I don't think. I don't think it feels right to do to do a flatline at least for me. Um, I'm going to provide some form of a a balm. Um, I wrote an article on Medium called uh, "Why Music 
our music will save us in the age of COVID-19. Um, yeah, you did. And it, is, and it essentially kind of talks about some of the things that we talked about uh, with regards to music today on the podcast. Um, but I just like, I, I keep linking to things and sharing things as best I can because it's like these people, the people that are out there doing this for a living, um, I, I, I know at least a chunk of that industry just by way of having gone through college and, and, and linked up with a lot of people in, in that have eventually become um, mainstays in the industry. Um, they're really suffering right now because mm-hmm. their whole, whole chunk of their income has just been sort of upended and flipped on its head and they don't know what they're going to do. They have some idea of what they're going to do, but they really, it's like, Again, like most industries, we're kind of fumbling in the dark trying to figure out what on earth uh, the next couple of months and maybe even the next year, year or two are, is going to look like now as a result of of this pandemic because we don't know how the next next year is going to shake out now. We, we thought we did, but now we're not. Um, so... <laughs> I've been listening to different things like different GoFundMe campaigns for artist freelancers that are out there that are without jobs right now because of um, because of the virus impacting everybody having to stay at home. And then all different kinds of uh, events that are going on around the uh, around the country with artists trying to, I don't, I don't know, encourage people to just make stuff. I don't know, because I think I think. It can be really freezing to 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 keep yourself from making things because you don't know what the the future is going to hold now. Um, but I think it's in these moments that it's more imperative than ever that we make the choice to make stuff because it will eventually become a record for this time and a record for people way down the line to fine for us and i and i think i would hope that when people talk about this time when they're when when our when our children and children's children talk about this time they they'll talk about not necessarily the incompetence but just the the willingness for the common people to to band together and build community with each other that would be my one hope um and i think all the kinds of things that people are doing in the music realm, the arts realm, the movies realm, the podcasting realm, and the creators realm online uh, are just really cool things. And I think they're the, the best examples of community that we have. Yeah. So that's my not flatline. It's my, it's my okay. defibrillator. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I have a, a flatline. I, I have a, two flatlines, two small flatlines, and a defibrillator fibulator myself um okay so my uh first flatline is just a simple plea to common human decency a lot of things that have been happening within the past in um let's say week uh the things that have been paused and and so on and so forth uh show as uh good internet buddy Rachel Quirky Shank might say that a lot of the stuff that we pay for a lot of the stuff that we sort of take as you know granted and necessity 
uh, is choice. And it doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. We choose uh, to make it exist. That's how we it, choose how to it make it exist yeah. because we live in a capitalist society and capitalism yes. inherently uh, requires a, a small number of people who hold all of the wealth at top, uh, uh, <laughs> top a, a, a pillar of salt, basically, uh, and to um, uh, hoard lord excuse me that wealth um, lord and, and access hoard and lord that wealth uh over a uh exponentially larger populace that has uh close to nothing and uh all this to say there should be rent and mortgage freezes indeed um there should be there everywhere i have friends who are not going to be able to go to work for and emergency uh, and emergency um 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 disaster relief packages for people in those industries who uh are required who that require their physical presence because Mm -hmm. if because if they can't if their physical presence is restricted then they're not gonna be able to make money so yeah give relief to those people (laughs) yeah those are the people who those are the folks who need to be bailed out uh we are very quick to throw millions and billions and trillions of dollars at uh ceos and fortune 500 companies and all that bullshit uh when the people on the ground are the ones who get left behind Uh, i am blessed enough to have let's knock on whatever wood i have near me steady income because of the unique situation i am in most people Mm -hmm. i know are not in that type of situation and that is something that is very spooky to think about so rent and mortgage freezes are not something that should happen they are something that needs to happen Mm -hmm. um uh the second flat line that i have is disney where is magic camp where is it you they took it off of the schedule they took it off their theatrical release schedule because they were pulling a bunch of bullshit off so it could be on this goddamn streaming service i have the streaming service the streaming service has been going on since november and i have not heard one word not one peep not a squeak y'all's mascot is a mouse i take a squeak not one (laughs) squeak about magic camp because it's just supposed to be heavyweights but a, about like kids who are magicians that That's sounds cool. awesome that sounds That's amazing. so cool <laughs> that sounds amazing and don't get me wrong i'm sure that um that willem dafoe and the dogs are great <laughs> i'm sure that the manic pixie middle schooler is fine um the little boy who has an imaginary t- uh the, the little boy who has the um imaginary polar bear friend and also uh it seems to me high functioning depression um he his movie <laughs> looks fine as well i want magic camp it's all i want it's it's all i want you said it was going to be on the service it is not on the service you have ample opportunity to do so now you've had to push back all your movies put a bunch of that marketing budget into t- selling us magic camp yeah please <laughs> yep if you're not gonna put the movies on the streaming services push your streaming services hard yep so there's that and then my bomb is uh to piggyback on what you said about music um two things musically have been getting me through um uh this these trying times uh one is um 
I recently uh, dipped back into the 90s specific catalog of Janet Jackson. I'm a big fan of Janet Jackson, particularly the 2000s uh, era Janet Jackson. And then I got really into her stuff in the 80s when I was in college. I love Janet Jackson. I just never really sat down and listened to the Janet album or the Velvet Rope. And I did both of those last week and I have had them on loop all week. (laughs) They're so great. Um, Particularly the Velvet Rope, which is, I feel like, the album that I was promised by Harry Styles. (laughs) Janet was like, look, I got you. Are you sad and horny? Here, here you go. This entire <laughs> album should be called Depression Sex. It's great. <laughs> and it's fantastic. It's such a good, it's it's a really good album. Um, and then Janet, just to, um, because um, when I was in college and I got into the 80s stuff, I was really big on Rhythm Nation. That's I think that that's a fantastic album. But to now understand that directly after Rhythm Nation, uh, she... Uh, just decided to go full in on, uh, you know, talking about not only sex, but like safe sex, responsible sex, sexual exploration in, um, in, in, in loving and comforting and affirming ways. Um, that album is also very, very good. Has a song on there called Throb, which is great. (laughs) Um, and, uh, the second musical, thing that has been sort of protecting my mind uh at the moment is the new album by former one direction uh i was about to say cast member uh former (laughs) one direction uh boy uh niall horan (laughs) yes um called heartbreak weather um now niall horan this is his second album his first album which was called flicker i heard it i like the slow hand song I, mm-hmm. His whole thing, his whole uh, sort of vibe seems to be the song, your sister's wedding song, not your sister, just anyone's sister, your sister's wedding <laughs> song. That is Niles like sort of musical motif. And I think it really yeah. works for him. And he's sort of like expanded, I think, past it here. Um, I think a lot of the album is overproduced, but the more I listen to it, the less I care about that. Yeah. And um, uh, just... I think some really strong writing on the ballads and the stuff that isn't ballads is really fun. Um, He is, uh, sometimes he tries to be sexy and it comes off like how like Thomas Rhett tries to be sexy and (laughs) neither one of them can pull it off. Um, But um, especially the title track, especially uh, the tracks, no judgment and uh, cross your mind and put a little love on me. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really solid, great, easy listening album all the way through. And uh, I've also had that on a loop in between uh, listening to I Get Lonely by Janet Jackson <laughs> all day because that song is so good and um, needs to have a resurgence of some sort. So, do you think, yeah. do you think uh, Niall's going to usher in that era of easy, li- usher back in that era of easy listening that we were, we were talking about started fade away in 2008? Maybe. I don't know. Cause I, I think that, uh, I think I'd have to see more of a test case because at first I was like, Oh, is he trying to be like Philip Phillips? Cause I think there's some, there's some production and sort of like, uh sonic overlap between the sort what he's doing now and the sort of post mumford 
kind of sound yeah yeah um but um then it just be but it there's something a lot more frothy about it and i want frothiness to come back to pop music uh i talk about it all the time but i think that's the reason why um what is an okay song at best i think motivation by normani got so much traction because it was not asking a lot of you i think yeah uh pop music nowadays for better or worse is asking a lot of you and um when you can come in and say here's some music it's nice yeah take a listen you yeah. know that uh yeah. I, I think that's gonna go a long way with people who are having sort of um cultural overload at the moment yeah i agree i agree so yeah yes. well, well what dear. a wonderful bond what bomb, <laughs> bond 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 <laughs> either one of those things yes. um dan where can people find you on the internet people can find me on the internet at the deeper cell everywhere Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, uh, as well uh, as well as uh, YouTube.com slash uh, C slash Dan Purcell. Um, and uh, I, on my Twitter, fun fact today, I officially got a cosign from Ben Schwartz saying that my music is a banger. Fun. <laughs> um yeah you did it was it was a good time um he was asking for he was doing he was doing a twitter talk show where he was just interviewing people that would reply to his one tweet and then he was like now for the musical guest i need somebody to sing a 15 second song and i was like great i just made one i just made a chorus here's a chorus and he was like oh this is a banger uh and i was like cool thanks man you're very cool you 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 play Sonic and it's great. Um, and uh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> but it's all to say that I have music. It's coming out very soon. Um, we're in the stages of mastering, getting the final mixes in, starting to get the artwork together. Um, I've written a bunch of articles about each song detailing like the, pro- the thought process behind writing the song. Um, and CJ and I are actually going to do a segmented separately. We're going to do a segmented podcast of like 15 minute intervals talking about each song and the overall story of the song um, and kind of the subject materials behind some of the things that that the, that the uh, songs talk about. Um, so I am very excited to do that. It's going to be maybe hope, hopefully within within this time period, it'll be released. It'll be uh, just another another one of those bombs that. uh people can uh, comfort themselves with in this time of uh, general anxiety. Uh, CJ, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at CJ period. That's C-E-E-J-A-Y and the word period. I'm assuming you know how to spell it at uh, Twitter and Instagram. And I have another show called Below Freezing with CJ and Micah, where every week me and my buddy Micah unthaw a different movie that comes in at or below 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. So um, that's also a pretty fun show as well. Um, I, I have no other creative endeavors at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's, the, what's, the, what's this week's episode? I know it's, I know, I don't know when this is coming out, but what, what, is, what is the next couple of episodes? Uh, next couple of episodes uh, are, um, let's see, 
uh, oh yeah, This Means War, uh, which is a super spy romantic comedy where Tom Hardy and Chris Pine fight each other over Reese Witherspoon. What um, a concept. <laughs> what a concept. Chelsea Handler is also there. Remember her? Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then after that is Dangerous Minds, which uh, I, I know has Michelle Pfeiffer. I know is about a white lady who teaches a bunch of brown kids I don't know to read, I guess. And then, <laughs> um, and then that Coolio song gangsters paradise is from that movie. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it is, it is the only lasting it, it and maybe like a production still of Michelle Pfeiffer in jeans and a, a black leather motorcycle jacket are the uh, only lasting, uh, sort of cultural vestiges from that movie. Well, <laughs> So, yeah, uh, so that's that's all that's going on with me. Uh, we'll be back again. I want to talk about um, up and comers in Hollywood and what they're doing. Uh, yeah, I don't know I, if that's just yeah. because I watched a movie with Pete Davison in um, every bag under his eye. But the <laughs> but he's there. Also want to talk about Meg the Stallion and. Um, oh, yeah. It, contracts. Uh, that's an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, because uh, uh, whoa, buddy, uh, has she been in a kerfuffle? Yes. So, but y- y- when we do another episode, you'll know about it because it'll just yes. pop up. <laughs> yep, it'll be on our Twitter, Dan and CJ. I believe that's the only place where you can find us outside of this podcast. Um, we don't ch- check as well as we should, but if you are on Anchor feel free to leave us a message asking us about anything that we might, uh, that you might want us to talk about. Um, yeah. And until next time, we will see you in our group chat. Goodbye y'all. Bye.